Dancers did that email. Oh my god. Zoop. Flying in from the future here. Liz and Maris are coming at you from the future. And we just have a few questions that we would like to ask you or a request. Maris, what's our request? We want you to send us your questions about anything dance related, really. And we know that's broad, but they could be in these categories experiences you've had questions about summer intensives, an article you've read recently that you want us to discuss, or even a Wikipedia page you want us to talk about to help us in our research. We just, we, we want to engage with you a little more and we want you to feel like there's, we're, we're talking about things that you want us to talk about. So what better way for us to actually do that than by hearing from you? So please please send us an email to dancersdidthat at gmail.com or feel free to slide on into those DMs at dancersdidthat on Instagram. You can also find us on Instagram on our individual pages. Maris, where can they find you? I am at Antolin. Beautiful. I'm at Liz Holton. And do it. Go ahead. We'll wait. We'll wait. Okay, great. We'll now we're here. Back to the episode. <laughs> Bye. Love you. <laughs> love it. So, so, <laughs> um, should we give this little uh, Diddy a, a wackadoo, a run around? Let's do a little doopsy doodle. Hi, I have a very important message for everyone today, and I want everyone to know this very important thing. It's that C's get degrees. And sometimes presidencies. Oh, shit! That was so good! Wow. And, and you know what? that Maris has won an award for being the best, the best Thank C you. student. <laughs> how dare you i'm kidding (laughs) i know you're an a student okay i'm an a student um what was i gonna say i can't remember oh now that we're using mics to record we can do mic drops (gasps) oh that was a mic drop moment for you maris yeah 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 i'm excited we'll bring it back (laughs) Have you been watching? Do you have you been watching Matt James's season on The Bachelor? No, I haven't watched The Bachelor in a couple of seasons. It and the reason why is that well, I stopped watching after Becca Kufrin's season because yeah. I really liked it, but she chose a person. I mean, now they broke up, but she chose a person who was obviously terrible. Yeah, and had and he was like super like christian conservative and then colton was the next person when they made like such a big deal out of him being a virgin and i was like i this is too like white conservative christian for me anymore like i'm just not that interested in it you know it's so interesting on the first night of matt james's season he said a fucking prayer 
before the cocktail I, party. I and, heard about that. And Nick Vial on his podcast asked one of Mike Flynn, who's like, I think an executive producer of the show. He was like, are you aware that your entire, like the cast of people that you've brought on is like incredibly religious and incredibly conservative overall? Like, is that an intentional choice so that you can represent like the the constituents that are watching it or the, the viewers? Like, is this intentional that you're doing this? And Mike Flynn was like, no, but like, Everyone that we everyone that we pick has been from a pool of people that are like in fr- our friends. So essentially, everyone like it's like a whirlpool where you get sucked into it. But some people just don't get sucked in, and and like that's what happens. So as a result of that, we just have the same kinds of of bachelors and bachelorettes from season to season. And I think I think um, um, Hannah Brown was like maybe the first bachelorette or maybe it was Andy Dorfman or even Caitlin Bristow. I think with the bachelorettes, they have a different, it's like a totally different vibe than with bachelors. Yeah. Cause even Matt James is a, is a conservative Christian. Right. He's a registered conservative in New York state. Yeah. I didn't know that, but yeah, I just, I'm, it's, it makes me tired. It's boring. And like to hear the producer say that it's kind of it makes me think just try harder. Well, it's You're not trying hard enough. It's just, it's just very interesting because it sounds like he it's doing well enough as it is. So why would he change? Like if he's totally. representing his viewers, who probably all like a huge percentage a huge percentage of the population is exactly that demographic. You know, the like Christian conservative or Christian moderate, like or people yeah. who don't care really don't have a opinion on that. Like that's their audience and that's a huge target market. Yeah. So like, why would he change? Yeah. It, I mean, and also like, who cares if like people stop watching if they still have their core <laughs> people who do. So it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's just getting more and more popular, especially the more divisive it is, right? Totally. Yeah, they don't care. I also wasn't ever watching it live. I would always, I would watch it like on Hulu the day after. So I'm not like affecting their ratings by not watching it afterwards. Yeah. Or like the way that traditional like cable TV ratings, I don't know how streaming factors in to how they get their ratings but yeah the show's gonna go on forever yeah it's just very it's so interesting to me I have I have many thoughts about this especially because I I'm I've been like in the dating world that when people are like when they're like emotionally baiting the other person to like them like oh I have I've had this happen in my life like I've been you know, I've gone through so much negative heartbreak and life uprooting moments that I've like really become a very vulnerable and good human because of them. It's like, it's one of those after another, after another, after another. And I'm over and, and like the lead is like, thank you so much for being open with me. And then in their talkbacks later, they're like, you know, I really love, like, I really want people to open up and be vulnerable, but y'all realize that you can be vulnerable and still have a good fucking time. 
Like I can't, it's almost overwhelming now that I, and I think maybe if you're married and you don't date and you're happy with the person that you're with, sure. This is like, you're living through these other people. You're like, you're experiencing dating again through this television show, which is fine. We all have our versions of escapism, but it's almost tiring. Cause now, even when I watch it now, I'm like, that's not something you would say on the first date to anyone. No. And I'll, yeah. And there's so much wrapped up in like, especially the bachelor seasons. I feel like, um, like that guy who was from a really, really small town in Iowa, the whole Mm -hmm. season, it was just assumed that the woman was going to move to Iowa and like live on his family's farm. And that I'm like, that is not how a modern relationship works. Right. And I know that was like, that was like a few years ago. I feel like that was like 10 years ago. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It was like that season was a really long time ago. It was in 2008. It was only four years ago. You guys. 2008. Is not four years ago. (laughs) I believe you for a second. My brain is that bad. I was like, yeah, wait, no, (laughs) no, no. Um, But I even felt that like on trying to think what the last Bachelor season I watched all the way through. I think it was Nick's season. Mm. No, that's not true. It was Ari's season. Oh, fuck him. Yeah, for real. Fuck that dude so hard. Um, But it was assumed then, in that season, that the woman was just going to do what he was going to do, which I think partially is why he was like, Becca, I'm not in love with you. Like, he didn't... He chose Becca and then decided against it because she's an independent feminist woman who wanted to keep her job. Right. And he wanted... um, a puppy dog, a puppy dog slash mom slash baby machine. And which that's is what, what he, he got. Right. Which is what he chose instead. Okay. We're not bashing. We don't mean to bash these people in a way that's like, <laughs> I don't know, like Ari and Lauren are happy. <laughs> so like you, you go, you do that. I don't right. that kind of life where you are okay the reason why I don't like it is because it's assumed that the woman is going to not have her own life anymore Mm -hmm. as much and this is could be untrue but from the outside it seems like he's like absorbing her into his life and that she then has to do like a lot of emotional labor for him. Like, well, and he like, even admitted that he hates crying. Right. So, so yeah. <laughs> but I also think, like, I don't remember the show that well, but I think on RE season, I don't remember like any of them meeting his really good friends because mm. usually they're like when they do hometowns there's a portion where you like meet the 
really good friends Mm -hmm. of this person. And when a grown adult man doesn't have good friends, that's a red flag. Yeah. Because especially if you're marrying a person, then you're going to become everything to them. So if Lauren is moving in to this house, she, and I don't know, I don't remember if she kept her job or not Mm -hmm. when they moved in together, but she then has to be like the runner of the household. She is having the baby and is going to be besides like a babysitter or a nanny is going to be the primary caregiver. And she's going to be also the primary like emotional support for the husband because he doesn't have friends. Yeah. And that's, uh, and then she can't cry cause he hates crying. Right. So <laughs> I think, you know, I think it's a, it's, it's a unique scenario that is, just broadcasted as being like the ultimate love story and we have far moved beyond that fairy tale as an acceptable thing to look for so I think it's just like I don't know if they've caught up to that yet or if that season in particular was shining a light on that being the ideal and they they like achieved it but I I think it's so I mean relationships they look so different for everyone. Like the life that Ari is building with Lauren looks so different than the life he would have built with Becca. Totally. And the life, and the life that Rachel and, and her guy has is so different from what the life of Jojo and Jordan Rogers is. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like, it's just so interesting that for them, it was this ultimate fairy tale where she is his X, Y, and Z you know, and it doesn't look like that for ever, for other people. And for you and Ryan, like you and Ryan don't fit into that at all. And in fact, no. I think I think it just speaks to a different sensibility, you know? Like you're so right though. Oh my God. I mean, talking about dating right now, like I, I feel a little weird. Like when I was with Will, I met so many of his friends. Like it was practically from second day, third day date that we like introduced each other to our friends Mm. and now that I'm dating this new person in COVID times it's like oh what does meeting your friends even look like yeah and that's that's so weird and and it it like prolongs certain stages I don't know if there's like a stage where you're like okay, I feel really comfortable with you. I feel really comfortable in this situation. Okay, let's like add another layer to it maybe or like let's slowly add another layer to it. Like that seems very normal to be doing. But I don't know if like those layers aren't possible right now in a certain way. So it's very interesting. And And I wonder if the people on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette go through similar things where like they get to a certain place with the person that they're dating and they like add a bunch of layers to it and then they meet they meet like four layers deep before they meet the other layers yeah it's such a strange process because it's isolated Mm -hmm. like what you were just saying but like you don't meet like all of a sudden the 
first people that you meet in this person you're dating's life is their family, which mm-hmm. is not how it happens in real life when you're dating. Yep. <laughs> you, like you were saying, you meet their friends and hang out and like get to know who they are around their friends. You don't see yep. them <laughs> with their family. Right. And also it makes sense why the meetings sometimes are so dramatic because everyone's relationship with their family is different. Mm-hmm. And I think that more and more on the show, it's rare to have people get to hometowns who have divorced parents or who have mixed families. Yeah. And I think it's weird because because that's a normal thing to have happen. And when, when it is like when they do have to go to two houses or the parents are separated, or ha- or the child who's a, on The Bachelor has a fraught relationship with their family, it's treated as strange. Mm. And it's, it's not weird to have a fraught relationship with your family or not feel comfortable in your family's house or, like, have issues with your parents that, like, might make it so you don't want to introduce someone to them. Like, I'm thinking right. specifically of... Uh, Dean on oh, Rachel's yeah. season and how um, how honestly strange his dad was and it's like that they the the dad was strange but they made it so over dramatic mm. and like made it seem like because Dean had a strange relationship with his family then he wasn't like marriage material totally it's not true right and like good like it honestly he was very very young and I think he was on Rachel's season right yeah and she's like a super established lawyer like I agree that the two of them together not great but it doesn't mean that he (laughs) like isn't fit for a relationship right so I just think Going back to like the conservative Christian thing, people on the show are like, my parents are such like a shining example of what love is and will I ever have that? And I I personally, like as a child who has a mixed family, mm-hmm. I think that's really unhealthy to look at every single action your parents did as like the thing that you should do. It's, or- it's not how you should think about your own life. For sure. And also knowing that your parents are people too, like they're humans first. They're people who are navigating a relationship together for a long time. Like that to me is more important that you be able to recognize in them. You know, it's not, it has like two people that are independent of each other who continue to love each other and choose each other every day. Like that's what a long-term marriage looks like. Not these two people are married and like it's my mom and my dad they're a unit and that's everything right Right. which is a very christian thing with like the like the one flesh Mm -hmm. thing and like the unity candle and the two becoming one i really it skeeves me out Wow, what wow. A, what a, what an off the cuff take this was. Yeah. 
What a <laughs> <laughs> Lulz. Um, Love it. If you you need to read the book, I think it's called Bachelor Nation. Mm. It's behind the scenes. I'll send you the link to it. Okay. Um, it's really good. It's, okay. Um, really well researched, and it's just um like how the show works, like yeah. from casting to like filming and all like all of the behind the scenes stuff. It's so good. What a what a fucking franchise that is. One person yeah. dating 30 people for like six weeks, eight weeks, and then they get married. Yeah. Big brother, man. We've, yeah. we've gotten there. You know what's a better show? Hmm. Is Love Island. <gasps> Love Island is so crazy. It's just more fun. It's hectic. And also, it's hectic. <laughs> and it also... People become like really good friends on it. Mm-hmm. Like there are like male female genuine friendships without romance on that show that happen every single season. It's so refreshing to see. Fuck. I miss I feel like that's a thing that the Bachelor franchise is missing. Like like what about and maybe this is also why I like their Bachelor in Paradise. Like, I think Bachelor in Paradise is more fun because of that fact. Like, watching yes. Nick become friends with the twins and Demi was so fun. Right. Like, that yeah, was the funnest. I forgot. Yeah. That was the funnest storyline was just watching Nick, like, become friends with these ladies and be like, you should go and do this so that you get your happy ending. Yeah. And I want you to be happy. Yeah. Like the that's only so good. difference. I forgot how similar Bachelor in Paradise is to Love Island. Um, because they have to like pair up or get eliminated, and like new people are brought in each week. It's basically mm-hmm. the same structure. Mm-hmm. But also the thing about Love Island is that they um don't. They're only allowed like one or two alcoholic beverages a day. Oh. And then they have, like, after challenges, they have, like, a party. But they never get, it's never as much alcohol as is on The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. Um, I can tell you that in Bachelor in Paradise, do you want to know their drink limits? Yeah, I do. Two drinks in an hour. That's a lot. If you're doing that the whole day, you are wasted you you are alcohol poisoned if you even do that for four hours that's That's eight eight beverages yeah that's from six to ten if you just drink from six to ten p.m and you have eight beverages you don't know if you can make decisions you can't i don't know if you should be on television at that point well, that's part of it, right? <laughs> yeah. They keep filming long after they should. Yeah. And like through the through the night. Oof. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not that not that Love Island is like the, uh, ethical, but in terms of like how you treat the people who are on your show, there are so many 
gray area things about the filming of The Bachelor and and Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. Have you seen there's a there's a TV show on Hulu called Unreal. Unreal. You already yeah. know exactly yeah. what I'm going for. Yeah. Yeah. I got I watched I binge watched it really hard and I got to like season three or four. Yeah. And I uh I hate the main character. Yeah, she's the worst. She's terrible. And she she flip-flops every single episode from like, no, I I'm healthy. I don't do stuff like that anymore. And then she has she sex with it. someone in a closet that she's not supposed to. Yeah. Every single episode. Yeah. Well, and she also, like, it's justifiable because she's doing a good job. Like, she's doing her job, you know? Right. Like, that's the one saving grace. She's brought back because she's really good at her job. She's the best. Right. But her job is being a producer and, like, straight up lying and manipulating these poor people on the show. I highly suggest everyone watch it. I'm, like, I'm not kidding. Unreal Unreal. on Hulu. Go. It's uh, I think it was originally a Lifetime show. It's so dramatic. It's amazing. The first season is wild. It's really it really sets the tone. It does. Wowza. Wowza. (laughs) So maybe maybe this podcast is shifting a little bit, like hot takes with dancers, or maybe it's a bachelor. Franchise commentary? No, we won't go that far. No. (laughs) I don't think we need more than one episode about The Bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus episode, we talk about The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Yeah. Ba-bops. So here's here's the thing that seems like an important takeaway. I would say that this season, we saw the first ballerina from the Dance Theater of Harlem on... The Bachelor. Matt James sent her home the first night, but we got to see an awesome representation of a ballerina who has her shit together on a show like that. And it just show, it just goes to show you that if you have your shit together, you've been training your whole life for something, and you do it, you, you achieve the thing you've been training for your whole life, you're probably too good for the person who's on The Bachelor. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah. Have some self-respect. No, that's not what I want to <laughs> say to her. <laughs> but I think that that illustrates that the show isn't necessarily for people who are like well-adjusted in their lives. There are exceptions, of course, but... Or people yeah. who are seeking that kind of fame. Like, I, I hate to gripe on this, yeah. but but I would say that dancers are very intelligent people. And I think we understand that we can read the room really well and can perform really well. But if we're not on a stage with someone telling us what to do or having rehearsed a thing that we know that people will need us to be doing, like, we need a little guidance. Only then can we perform. And I think that that, that moment... I don't know if, if like, dancers haven't trained for that kind of performance. Okay, I only say this. This is a convoluted um, perspective, only because I, I was talking to my therapist yesterday, and it seems that ballerinas, 
dancers, athletes alike. We train to be exactly what other people want us to be. And we train in a way that serves that singular purpose. We don't do it to serve us. And I think we talked about this with Emma when she was mm-hmm. a guest on this podcast. So mm-hmm. go and check that one out because that was a really great a great episode with her. But But we train so much for so long how to do everything perfect for the way that it needs to be, not for us. We're never trained to actually practice what it looks like to want something ourselves or to know how to process information ourselves or know that in a certain situation, when to stand up for yourself. Like we're never taught that. We're always taught to be the thing that the situation or the person or the authoritative figure, what they need us to be. And so there's a certain lack of training that we get in how do we speak for the things we want? How do we speak for ourselves? How do we form our own opinions? Like we're young in that respect. And I think when we're on a show like the fucking bachelor, where you have people who only train in what they think and what they want and what their opinions are on X, Y, and Z, it's perfect for them. But I would say it's not a great destination for people who have trained to be really good at sensing what the room needs around them. So I think it it's very it's a very interesting crossover. And I think it goes to show that there's a certain lack of of attention that dancers and athletes have on themselves in in their practice. Yeah, I think that's a really excellent point. And um illustrates the need for mental health professionals to be employed by dance companies Mm -hmm. to be at the disposal of their employees and dancers because so often people only focus on what you can see on the outside Mm -hmm. like you have a nutritionist you have a PT therapist PT therapist uh you have therapist therapist physical therapist therapist. you have like people (laughs) helping you cross train you have um all of the things to make sure that your body is working really well and in the best shape it can be for you to do your job as a dancer well, but you arguably can't do your job to the best of your ability if you are not in a good headspace. Right. And I think that most people could just need a little bit of help in that department. It's It's not super healthy to live inside your own head. No matter right. who you are. Right. Right. Well, what a conclusion to, to land this on. We were not even planning. <laughs> I know. You even brought it back around. I'm so impressed. <laughs> Made an excellent point. Thank you. This is what the interview looked like on the other day where I was like, holy shit, I just talked for 30 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was because I hosted an episode of the podcast. That's oh, what I did. <laughs> It is such a a bummer feeling to feel uh, to feel bummed about an interview. It's. I think it was mostly like I feel like I uh, like I was a little too young for it. You know, like the the ways in which I was engaging with I I left that thinking. Okay, I probably answered this like a really eager young person wanting to step into a role, 
And I think it works in certain scenarios, but that's maybe not what they were looking for in that yeah. particular one, which is, that, which was my feeling, my gut feeling leaving that being like, fuck, I fucked it up because I wasn't like the mature person walking into the room going, yes, I've had engagements with donors that have looked very positive, And here is my account on what that looked like. I, yeah, I walked in there but, going, well, let me tell you about this experience and this experience. <laughs> I think that being yourself is really crucial in interviews because totally. if your interviews are always stressful, but if you're like fully uncomfortable in the room, then that's the sign <laughs> that you or like if they don't get your stupid jokes then like that's a sign that that's not a great place for you. <laughs> right. That means that they probably will never laugh at your jokes, which means that you're going to have a really shitty time because you're never going to have people laughing at your jokes. You're going to have a hard time. Right. Even um, walking out of my interview with PNB, um, we were like in, there's a conference room that like looks over a studio. Mm-hmm in the Phelps Center and uh, we're walking out and I was like thanking the people who had done my interview, blah, 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 talking about next steps, kind mm-hmm. of like wrapping everything up, like kind of secondarily because we had already done that. But you know, mm-hmm. like when you're still yeah. like talking because you're walking the same direction Yep. and they have to like escort you out of the building. Yep. Um, but then my now boss point like gestured to the studio and she goes, and sometimes there are dancers in here. And I said, oh, that's what that's for. And she laughed and I was like, okay, thank God. Okay. Cause it just, cause I'm an asshole and it just like comes out. <laughs> and so and I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. That was a, actually a good sign. <laughs> yeah. You did it. Yeah. Also knowing all the people that are on that team now I'm like, Oh, yeah, Maris, it's right in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, so for sure. I love it. Yeah. Okay, I have to run because I'm going to go to Wayward. They're having a closeout sale. Oh. Yeah. And then there's a fight tonight, which here's a topic. Oh, is it the light? It's like a lightweight bout. I Okay, I was watching hockey yesterday and... I was watching on the NHL app and every single commercial break, it was the commercial of those two guys. Yes, like, because it's like the biggest fight of the year. Like it's McGregor and the other person. Yeah, it's the biggest fight of the year. Um, they look like the same person. Correct. They're not, okay. but they're the same weight and same size. So, okay. <laughs> they both have like fully tattooed chests. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Sorry. It's, I think we it. should, I think we should talk about fighting on this podcast only because I found such incredible similarities between fights and dance that it's kind of, it's kind of wild. Like if you look objectively at all the elements that go into both, they're very similar. Okay. Let's talk about it. I'm not <laughs> going to watch this boxing match though. I don't think I can, honestly. It's it's funner with with someone or a hype squad that like tells you what's happening along the way. That makes sense. I don't have time to learn the rules of boxing. It's okay. Okay, thank you so much. You. 
Okay, and with that, we're okay. gonna sign up. We're gonna stop recording, and we're gonna okay. say goodbye. 